Welcome to our C3 Grow podcast. Wherever you are today, we hope that this message encourages you. We'd love to see you in person at one of our three locations, Howick, Ormiston, and Suva. Visit c3grow.org for details. This morning, we're going to be starting our new sermon series, The New Life. I'm so excited about this sermon series and had spent some time praying about it and for the Lord to use me as a vessel this morning to speak to you all about the power of the Holy Spirit as we walk in the new life that he has called us to live. And that is going to be my title this morning, Our New Self in Christ. And my main message will be about the Holy Spirit. Well, my husband and I, Javis, who you've seen this morning, had the privilege of traveling around Europe to visit my family over the past month or so. It had been such a, a blessed trip. We prayed about it. We fasted about it. And we saved up and we were really excited to go. And there was a country, a beautiful country that I had longed to see since I was a little girl. Do you remember that cartoon, Heidi? Did you have that cartoon here? Oh. Oh, I loved that cartoon, and I loved the sound of music, and I'd asked the Lord, oh, one day I'd love to see Switzerland, and I, I didn't think it was possible, so actually I'd, I didn't really pray about it, but by God's grace, my wonderful husband actually planned for us to see Switzerland on our, our journey, and it's really by God's grace that we were able to, to do that. And one of the things I wanted to see in Switzerland is the jewel of Switzerland. And it is known as the Matterhorn Mountain. You might know it too, because every time you eat a Toblerone chocolate, the Matterhorn Mountain is on there. It's the jewel of Switzerland. It's a beautiful mountain, very majestic, but a very hard to climb. It's a very steep mountain, and the weather can be very uncomfortable as you set off on your journey. So on the day that my husband had planned for us to see this beautiful mountain, I saw climbers ready at the bottom, the base of the mountain, to make their ascent to the top. And I asked someone, I said, are you really going to climb this mountain, huge as it was? And they said, yes. And they explained to me that they wouldn't dare set off on this journey without their protective equipment. Of course, they have special clothing and things like that. But the most important part of their climb is a climber's rope. A climber's rope is very strong and durable, and it attaches onto the anchor. And as they climb, they hang on to this rope. It's very strong, able to withstand even a fall, be able to hang on to it. And the source of their strength sometimes is that they're able to pull their body weight up, but that the rope keeps them instead. This rope, very strong rope. And in that moment, the Lord described to me, and he created an analogy in my mind of what it is like to start off on this new journey of faith with him. When you receive the calling in your life, when you become a believer, you become born again. You become born again in the spirit of God, and you set off 
on this journey, this journey of faith, which is much like those climbers at the base of this mountain. And oftentimes our walk of faith is difficult, is unpredictable, you know, like the weather is at the top of that mountain and as they climb. And so too is our journey of faith. And so the Lord spoke to me and said, the most important part of this journey of faith is that you hold on very tightly as you ascend to the Holy Spirit because he is your source of strength as you make your ascent, especially as the rope is hooked into the anchor, which is the Lord. As you make your ascent, the Holy Spirit is the one who will strengthen you and empower you as you make your way to the top, regardless of what unpredictable weather conditions or trials may come your way. And I had this impression of what it is to follow God, to hold on with all of your might as you ascend to the Holy Spirit. But oftentimes, our old self gets in the way. These are our old habits, the old way of doing things. The things that we are supposed to have left behind, they get in the way of this climb, of this new life that God has called us to live. If you have your Bibles with you today, we're going to be reading from Ephesians 4, verses 17 to 25. Ephesians 4, verses 17 to 25. And in this scripture, Paul might have written it around AD 60 to AD 62, he too writes it as a warning to the recipients, to the church of Ephesus, Ephesus sorry, to be careful of not allowing their old self to get in the way of the new life in Christ. Let's begin. Instructions for Christian Living So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness, and holiness. And so here we see Paul warning them about this old life. In fact, he, many of the recipients of this letter would have been Gentiles who had since become believers, and they would have well understood the life they used to live without the Holy Spirit. It is a life that separates you from God. You know how sin so easily entangles it only takes a little bit of compromise, a little bit of you forgetting the truth and your identity in Christ, a little bit of you missing your quiet times, and your heart becomes hardened towards the things of God. 
Well, he lists certain attributes of this old self. He goes through them one by one. Futility of thinking, a separateness of God, a darkness comes upon you, an ignorance, an unknowing, a forgetting of truth as you are submerged deeper in deeper into the deceit of the enemy to such an extent that you no longer hear the call of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit prompts us. He convicts us of sin. But the more and more that we indulge in the old self, the more we lose that still small voice of the Holy Spirit and our hardness of heart takes over. We become desensitized to the Holy Spirit. Well, there are two examples of this in the Old Testament, two two of my uh, favorite characters uh, in seeing the way in which they lived their lives, but also lost the conviction and sensitivity towards the Holy Spirit. One of them is Samson in the Old Testament. We don't read about him a lot, but here is one man who is anointed from the day that he was born out of the womb by the Holy Spirit. We see that in the Old Testament over and over again. He was anointed specifically by the Holy Spirit to overcome a people group called the Philistines and various oppression against the um, Israelites during that time. And you know, the Holy Spirit caused him to strangle a lion with his bare hands. In fact, he killed 30 Philistines. Uh, and furthermore, the Philistines tried to uh, bind him. But the Holy Spirit was so with him that the, the ropes that he was bound with got melted like wax. And he ended up killing a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Well, if ever the Holy Spirit was with someone, it was with Samson. And yet he kept on returning to that old self, no longer convicted by the Holy Spirit, kept on being entangled by patterns of sin. Of course, his Nazarite vow was that he should never cut his hair, but becomes entangled with Delilah, unfortunately, and he cuts his hair. And in that moment, we see the Holy Spirit grieved and leaves him. Leaves him. Sometimes we take the Holy Spirit for granted. We think he will never leave us. If we are so entangled in disobedience and we become desensitized to his voice, we no longer follow his promptings, there will come a time where he will leave. And that is a horrible thing to think of. And it's much like trying to climb that mountain without the Holy Spirit. It is impossible. So Samson here, with all of the anointing and might that he has, the Holy Spirit leaves him in that moment due to continual disobedience. Another person that I, I watch out for and have seen though in his life, he is a warning to us in the Old Testament, is the life and time of Saul, a king a king of a nation, anointed by God, anointed by the Holy Spirit to come against those who uh, came against the nation of, of Israel. And he's anointed the first king of Israel. But here we have Saul, even though he was anointed, had his own, uh, had his own shortcomings to such an extent that he becomes jealous and a hardening of heart comes upon him. And he becomes entangled in a jealous of David. And in that moment, he throws a javelin at him and he sends David running out into the caves. And he becomes so entangled in his own 
、uh, shortcomings of himself, he is no longer convicted by the call of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit leaves him. He can starts to consult witches and things like that. He's fallen so far away from where God and what God had called him to be, and it all started not listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Just a little bit of compromise, a lack of spending time with God. These are two warnings that are given to us in the whole, in the Bible in the Old Testament. There are many other warnings of men and women of God who who have given in to their old way of doing things, their old habits, and have walked away from the calling that God had for them. But Jesus calls us to this wonderful new life, and its source is the Holy Spirit. You know, Holy Spirit is sometimes misunderstood, but He is an equal member of the Trinity. He is a person. And we are called to fellowship with him because he is a person. You know, he brings a newness of life; it infuses into us the minute we become born again. We know he brings newness of life because in the Old Testament, in Genesis, we see the Holy Spirit hovered over the water, and he brought things into life that God had spoken. He conceived Jesus in the womb of Mary. He brought the Son of God to life in the womb of Mary. And one day, when we die, we are going to be resurrected. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that will resurrect us from the dead. His power. Is our source to this new life, and yet, myself, much like many of us, take this power for granted. You see, we are to fellowship with the Holy Spirit not once a week, not once a month, not when we need something and we pray popcorn prayers. We are to fellowship with the Holy Spirit every day. Every day, and I say this to myself too. We know not the glory of the Holy Spirit, because He is a glimpse into the new heaven and the new earth. Theologians describe the Holy Spirit as a down payment. When you buy a house, you pay a deposit for the house. He is the down payment for the fulfillment. That will come in the full manifestation of God. In other words, the new heavens and the new earth. We get to experience that now through the presence of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. We have a glimpse into the new heaven and new earth from the time that we spend in His presence. Every day we have that opportunity. Every day we have the opportunity to have a glimpse into what it will be like. To be in heaven with the presence of God all around us, Moses experienced that in the Old Testament. He came to give the tablets to the people. People could not stand near him because the glory of God was so thick over him from spending time with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come to you with a measure that you give Him. And he is a gentleman. He will not force himself, or come into a house where he is not wanted. If you want the presence of Holy Spirit in your homes, over your children, over your workplaces, spend time with him. 
And you will see the infusion and the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit in your heart and towards those around you. There is an atmosphere, much like Moses. And that is the Old Testament. That is the Old Covenant. Never mind the new one. That is a portion. Never mind the new covenant. Paul describes in the New Testament that the new covenant is more glorious than the former. More glorious and beautiful than we could ever comprehend. And if we dare to spend time with the Holy Spirit, we will experience it for ourselves. There was an evangelist, Catherine Coleman, and many people used to say the presence of the Holy Spirit was around her. And she said, why do you say that it is me, Catherine Kuhlman, who brings the Holy Spirit? Catherine Kuhlman died a long time ago. But because I dare to spend time with the Holy Spirit, he uses me as a vessel. And many people were born again and many miracles took place through the time that she spent. Because she spent time with the Holy Spirit, he came to many of the gatherings and crusades that she had in the 1970s and I believe 80s. We have to set our minds, set our minds in the Spirit. Well, if you have your Bibles with you and you've turned to Ephesians, but if you turn to Romans 8 verses 5, we'll read a little bit more about how to maintain our new life in Christ and our fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 verse 5 said, Those who are living according to the flesh have their minds set on the flesh and what the flesh desires. But those who are living according to the Spirit have their minds set on the Spirit and what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. And we were speaking about that, that infusion that comes from spending time with him. Well, let me tell you, there's also an atmosphere that comes from spending time with the Holy Spirit. And it followed a lot of the old evangelists like Smith Wigglesworth and many of the others that have gone before us. But when we decide to spend time with the Holy Spirit, he grants us his wisdom and his insight into the things that might happen in our day, much like the unpredictability of that mountain. I say this because whether you want to admit it or not, you are living in a spiritual battle. And the enemy walks around like a roaring lion every day. He has devoted his life to make you fall, to make your family fall, your children he does not want you to succeed and he will bring every opposition that he can bring in order that you do not spend time with God, with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is evidence of God's presence and we must make it a priority. I'll give you another example. It is an old evangelist that had um, set up a couple of crusades that he was doing in a particular town. 
And he'd seen many miracles and many deliverances. And so he got a little bit comfortable. And he decided he wasn't going to pray as much as he would ordinarily. He wasn't going to pray. He was going to spend some time with his friends and, and family that night. The crusade was later on that night. And so he has the crusade. He comes out and many people are delivered. Many people set free. and Many miracles um, happen. And he's happy about that. But then the next time he has the crusade, he spends even less time. But after this meeting, he sees that not many people come to believe in the Lord and not many miracles happen. And so he runs to the Holy Spirit the next morning and he's praying and he says, why were you not at my meeting? And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, well, if you come to my meetings, I'll come to yours. If you include me in your walk, I will give you wisdom. I'll give you power. You'll be able to see things. I'll give you insight. You'll be able to protect your children through prayer. Your homes will have an atmosphere of life and peace through the power of the Holy Spirit. But we have to take the initiative. We have to break through that old self. Well, there are three examples I wanted to focus on this morning. I don't know how much time we'll have in that, but um, three characteristics of the Holy Spirit. One is that the Holy Spirit empowers, and we heard about that. The second is that the Holy Spirit sanctifies. And the third is that the Holy Spirit encourages. And it's much like this light bulb. This light bulb is useless on its own. But as we know, when it's plugged in, it's plugged into a power source. And it illuminates, it brightens, you're able to see things, and it becomes completely and utterly useful to us. That is much like us when we're plugged in to the Holy Spirit. We're able to be used the way that God wants us to, to use us. We're able to fulfill our calling. We're able to live life abundantly in all of the areas that God wants us to live. Jesus is an example of this. In the New Testament, we read about the power of the Holy Spirit that comes upon him when he becomes baptized. We had not seen many miracles or anything happening before this, but when he becomes baptized and the dove descends on him, which, which is a physical manifestation of the Holy Spirit, we see many miracles happening, people delivered and set free. This is the start of his ministry. The power of the Holy Spirit came upon him when he became baptized. Of course, it was always with him, but the outworking of the Holy Spirit happened after that. And as he is led into the wilderness, after he gets baptized, he's led into the wilderness by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he fasts and he comes out of the wilderness. You'll see this in the New Testament, which you can read for yourself in Luke. He has the power of the Holy Spirit to enact all of the miracles and things that God had set out for him to do. Some of you are contemplating whether to be baptized. I know for myself, when I was baptized, I experienced something very different when I came out of the water. I felt like the power and the anointing 
was on me. And this is very many uh, people who have been baptized express this. So if you're thinking about it, be baptized, be baptized. Another characteristic is that you walk in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You walk in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. This means that you are becoming more and more like Christ the more time you spend with him. You have love, joy, peace. There's something different about you. And remember that because God is love, your heart becomes infused in love. And there is an atmosphere of love. Because God is peace and not a God of confusion, he brings peace into your home and into your life and into your heart. You are infused with his characteristics his righteousness, there's an outworking of his righteousness within you the more time that you spend with him. There is an indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which means that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And each one of us sitting here knows the weak areas that we have. So it's vitally important that we protect that temple from those weak areas and from sin that can so easily entangle. We must keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Well, as I was uh, watching at the bottom of this mountain, all these climbers making their way on the ascent, I noticed that they did so in a linear fashion, one after the next, climbing up this mountain, holding on to this string. They were being led in a particular direction. And so too are we to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, listening to his conviction, being led in the direction that God wants us to walk in. The Holy Spirit encourages. Well, he is described as an advocate. He helps us to pray effectively. He brings precision to prayer, so much so that he actually prays through you. Sometimes when you pray in tongues, you know not what you're praying because the Holy Spirit prays on your behalf. He prays for things, that, that has yearnings to pray for things to, to God that you would not have known. He illuminates the word. He brings things out that you would not ordinarily have seen. He grants wisdom, wisdom to us as we walk with him. I love the example of Joseph in the Bible who received the gift and the anointing of interpreting dreams that could have only come to him through the power of the Holy Spirit. And through this, he becomes second in command underneath Pharaoh and is able to brilliantly administer another gift, administration, brilliantly administer uh, food rationings to the people of Egypt to prevent famine. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has blessed you. For more information about our church, you can find us online at c3grow.org.